The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. TechTown Detroit is a business incubator and accelerator, helping tech startups and local businesses launch and grow. TechTown supports businesses with co-working, office, meeting, and event space. They also connect entrepreneurs to resources and learning and networking events in Detroit. TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. Hey everybody, happy Monday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. And coming up in today's program, a really interesting conversation on tech. There's been a lot said in recent years about attracting more people, especially women, children of color, into tech, getting them into tech careers, since tech obviously is going to be such a huge part of our economic future. But what does it mean when we talk about something called radical inclusion in tech? An interesting conversation coming up with Dr. Marlo Rencher, who is the Director of Technology-Based Programs at TechDown Detroit, coming up on today's program, so stick around for that. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey everybody, happy Monday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Very glad to have you with me today. And of course, we are live at TechTown today, having a little fun as we like to do over here at TechTown, learning about some important things happening in our community. And today we're going to be talking about something called radical inclusion in tech. What exactly does that mean? What do we need to do to make sure that we make that a reality in the town? And my guest is Dr. Marlo Rencher, who is the Director of Technology-Based Programs for TechTown Detroit. She joins me right now. Marlo, welcome. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, radical inclusion in tech. I mean, if you look tech, at tech historically, at least in the United States, it is historically white. It is historically male, um, almost to an exclusionary point. Uh, culturally speaking, there's been a lot of discussion mm-hmm. about the problems we have in places like Silicon Valley. Yes. Um, is the entrepreneurship space where we're going to make a dent in that? I think so. Um, And the reason why is because there's opportunity there. Um, Where there is um, opportunity for new money, new markets, new ideas to be uh, brought to the fore, I think that's the main piece of what I'm trying to say here. It's not just it's nice to have an inclusive approach. It's like there are whole new markets, whole new opportunities that we can open up by being as inclusive as possible because that's what um, really the country is reflecting right now. Well, why do you think that there has been, uh, well, I mean, that wouldn't be that much different than any other industry that we've ever dealt with in the United States, but tech has been resistant to a lot of change, unlike a lot of other industries. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think part of it is just the nature of how tech works. Um, It's very network driven. Um, There are a lot of folks who know each other, who know each other, and that's um, basically how how um, funding happens. Um, that's how people connect to start new companies. It's really a, a relationship basis. It's really about trust, and you trust the people who you have the most experience with and who are the most similar to you. Well, you know, it doesn't. It seems to me that 
part of the you know cultural problem there is 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 interesting again exclusionary uh, to a fault I think in, in many instances, but every kid out there right now mm-hmm. is involved in tech in some way or another. Um, and and I'm wondering if part of this is just sort of a you know a mental block about the the pathways into tech because we all rely on it we all like it mm-hmm. but thinking that you can actually work in it in some capacity maybe seems to be a block for a lot of folks. Um, and I think it's, there's a real block there. I mean, the foundation of what tech is right now are, are not the kids who are um, thinking about it and imagining it today. They're the kids from 20, 30 years ago who, for the most part, didn't even um, were a part of an exclusionary group. Um, not everybody knew about opportunities in tech a couple of decades back, and the foundation of people in tech are basically the people who knew about it, who who had access to computers, who had access to technology, who had access even to the information. Now, I think you're absolutely right. The kids today are a lot more... Um, it's just a lot more of an inclusive base, but they have to appeal in many ways to the people who are kind of the entrenched folk. And I think that's where the opportunity is. You've got a wide base of, of founders now who are coming up with all these ideas from a lot of different backgrounds. How are they going to relate to the people in power? Um, and I think that's that's really where the opportunity lies. Uh, Dr. Marlo Rencher, my guest right now, of course, from TechTown Detroit, we're talking about radical inclusion in tech. And so we've t- sort of talked a little bit about this sort of historical bias uh, against women and, and people of color in the tech industry. But, but what do we mean by radical inclusion? Well, I think it's... Um mentally pretty radical to think about being inclusive because of the blocks that you mentioned before. Um, We've had such a strong archetype of what tech entrepreneurship looks like. It looks like a Mark Zuckerberg. Um, It's inclusion to the point, I mean, it's exclusion to the point that we're even just talking about a couple of different universities. We're talking about Stanford. We're talking about Harvard. Um, We're not even being inclusive um, in just the white male paradigm. So it's a very, very small group of people who we think about when we think about tech. And the problem with that is that there are large groups of people who are doing technology, who are doing entrepreneurship, who don't even identify as being tech entrepreneurs. Um, and so that's really something that we're addressing, um, just the radical idea that this this tech entrepreneurship is something for everyone. Well, give me an idea of, of a company that you would suggest that is out there doing something but don't consider themselves tech. So I would say less less companies, more um, people. So one of the things that we're working on in TechTown is we have the only idea stage um, tech program that exists in the city of Detroit. Um, And we were very intentional about advertising that um, program. Uh, The program is not advertised to tech entrepreneurs. It's not even really advertised to entrepreneurs. We started by saying, do you have a tech idea? And by saying that, um, there, there are, again, a lot of people who hear tech entrepreneurship and say, oh, that's not me. That's not for me. I couldn't qualify for that. But a lot of people have ideas, this thing that they have in their head. And by removing some of those mental barriers, we really got a much more uh, diverse and inclusive group of people who have been participants. Uh, well, okay, you bring something up that's, that it reminds me of some discussions that we had, or not you and I, but that I've had in the past about roadblocks to people even applying for certain jobs. Well, yes. I don't meet every single qualification, so Precisely. therefore I don't fit. Uh, yes. You're trying to break that mold. Yes, absolutely. Um, many of the people who are uh, who already have 
have kind of a cultural acceptance in being those roles. They they know that you don't have to have 100% of the the um, qualification for the job. They can have 50, 40, 60% and feel like in that job people are going to accept them and they'll grow and they'll move into that job. So whereas a lot of people who are underrepresented in those jobs feel like they have to have 110% of those pieces already in place. And so we're really trying to counteract that with a much more inclusive narrative and, and so that people aren't self-selecting themselves out of the process. <laughs> well, then, and again, that's, that's, again, psychology comes into play here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you have something that you call the Start Studio. That's what you were referring to yes. there. Uh, which is a really unique program. Um, and there's, I was reading about it this weekend and was pretty fascinated with the level of support mm-hmm. that you're willing to give and coaching that you're willing to give to people to encourage them in this regard. Um, you know that one-on-one coaching yes. that you do there how big is that that's that's huge that's everything um our entrepreneurs and residents are really um selected not just because they have excellent backgrounds but because they listen people are coming in with their babies basically these ideas that they've been nurturing sometimes for decades that they haven't told a lot of people about and that they're basically giving it this one shot this one opportunity to really figure out is this something that that works or is this something that doesn't work and so we recognize that that's a great deal of trust um, to be uh, to really place into us so we have entrepreneurs and residents who are matched with them. We also have anthropologists who are connected with each one of these companies to help them ask the right kinds of questions to make sure that they're not just pitching these very, very new ideas before they've even been developed. So we want to give them the maximum support that they need in order to figure out, okay, is this something that I need to do or do I need to move on to the next idea? Now, if, I re- if I'm if i rating this correctly, you're just wrapping up mm-hmm. the first one of these, yeah. correct? Actually, it's the second one. Oh, the one. second one. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so tell me what you've learned over the course. <laughs> of these last uh, several weeks because I believe they start in September. Yes. And they go through, uh, I believe, in the next couple of days they'll be wrapping up, giving presentations and a, and a showcase and the whole nine yards. Absolutely. And and we've learned a lot. We've approached Start Studio as a startup itself. So the first iteration was 12 weeks. The second iteration is seven weeks. We changed a few things in the mix. And what we found is that um, – Having the support really, really helps, making sure that the support itself is coordinated, that the anthropologists are working really well with the, with the entrepreneurs and residents, and that each participant knows all the supports that they have available to them while they're in the program and just generally speaking. One of the things that we're really um, blessed to have in, this, in, in Detroit is an entrepreneurial ecosystem where basically all the organizations and people out there are able to help um, small businesses and entrepreneurs um, all those pe- all those pieces are in place to help companies sometimes at low cost and and most often at no cost and so making sure that people are aware of all the wide things that are available to help them with their businesses uh, over and above what we can do at Tech Town making sure that they're plugged in as much as possible is is our exact goal. You know, we, we talked a little bit about that sort of ceiling that exists in the tech world, and I think a lot of people when they get trained. Uh, educated to do whatever they're going to do or thinking that they're going to end up working for some company somewhere, somewhere else mm-hmm. that maybe their way in is through their own company. Um, convincing somebody that the entrepreneurial angle is the good way to go. Is that a difficult conversation to have? Because <laughs> it's scary. I, it I, I started my own business and it, it was it's hard. It's absolutely hard. It's absolutely scary. But the reality is it's not that difficult a piece because it's no longer the case that um, the job is the absolute stability. Um, it's no longer the case that you can kind of count on grad, you're, you know, uh, retiring with a gold watch and everything is going to be great. Having um, 
if, if it's on the side, a side hustle, something else that's working entrepreneurial for you, or just having a contingency plan is the absolute smartest thing to do. Also, um, one of the reasons, actually the biggest reason why we do what we do is because because we can have such a wide range of people, the amount of problems that are going to be solved and the types of problems that are going to be solved are very, very different. Um, these are people who potentially can hold the key to something really important to you or to me um, in their hands. So we want to make sure that they're supported um, because their ideas need to come to the fore. We believe in them and we want them to succeed. My guest once again is Dr. Marlo Rencher from TechTown Detroit. We're talking about uh, really radical inclusion in the tech world, entrepreneurship in the tech world, and uh, making sure that uh, populations that have been underrepresented in the tech world get an opportunity to start their companies, start their business, and start down the path um, in what is, frankly, basically the economy going forward in Absolutely. this country. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the people. You don't have to give me names, but sure. some of the ideas and some of the folks that you've been able to help and uh, the difference that it's made for them. Yeah, so I, I'll talk specifically about um, for our summer cohort, which is the first cohort, mm-hmm. the, the people who won, um, just looking at the the journey that they made um, as they went from kind of having these fledgling ideas from uh, Brian Pollan, who was the ultimate winner. He His company, Bricklayer, um, is basically connecting people with construction machinery that they need um, from a rental basis. So, you know, if you need, if you have a a particular job um, and you're a construction company, it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to to buy a lot of heavy equipment. So to be able to be connected to the equipment that you need on time, you know, right at the time that you need it, opens the door and the opportunity for people who don't have as much capital to get into the construction game and to to compete and to to win. Um, And we thought that was really important, not just because it's a great idea, but this was a culmination of having um, family that was in the construction business for a long, long time and um, recognizing kind of how that might, how that construction business might connect with the tech world. And so we really appreciated um, just his family story and and how that connected. And plus, like I said, the idea was really great. We've had, um, we had somebody in the class who was a single mother with 10 children who had um, lots of problems in around transportation and getting where we where you know making sure that that she needed to get to where she needed to go and and really her tech business was based on on transportation and even though it ended up the the it ended up to be the case that um, her business was a no-go and actually that's a perfectly viable um, answer is to go or no go and go to the next thing it really helped her to just get some attention around the things that she was doing and to figure out how she wanted to, to approach the problem and it turned out that she wanted to approach it as a nonprofit organization that's perfectly fine as well so it you know it was a great it's a great journey for the people who are going through and, and really to kind of test out in the real world what does this idea look like well dr wrencher i mean you know you obviously have been involved in this and you've learned a ton from the people that you've been working with you've revised the program but then you also are now working on a pretty significant piece of research around this notion based on a lot of what you've learned but also by visiting a number of other places uh this is going to be released a little bit later this week i believe so yes. i don't want to give away too much of this since <laughs> i know you have a release but you went to miami memphis atlanta um not necessarily the traditional tech hubs which Yes. Which is fine, but these are other places that are trying to sort of build the same kind of network. Um, Who's doing it well? Yeah, that's. I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of times we talk about how bad 
tech is at being diverse. And what we wanted to approach it with is from a positive standpoint. Like, where is are people doing it well? Um, and who's doing it well? And, and we identified a number of organizations, including Digital Undivided, that's been um, working with um, uh, black and Latinx women who are tech founders for a very, very long time. Um, and we learned some things from them. We learned something from Emerge Americas, which is really one of the largest conferences that are out there. And this one is tar- targeted towards Latinx um, men uh, and, I mean, Latinx uh, founders. Um, but it's, it's much larger than that. It's actually a global event that happens in, in Miami. Um, so we've talked to a lot of different folks from uh, people who are working at South by Southwest uh, uh, and to include uh, historically black colleges and universities with them. And one of the things that we found, or actually we found five specific things. I won't go into all of them, mm-hmm. but I think the most surprising one is just recognizing that um, entrepreneurs a lot of times come through and, and work with entrepreneurship um, from a lens sometimes of having experienced some kind of trauma. Um, when they're underrepresented, um, sometimes they experience um, everything from microaggressions to actual real aggression um, and being threatened. And just recognizing that there are some, not all, entrepreneurs who come with um, just real harm that's been done to them. And just recognizing that, um, that that's a possibility and that um, you know, people need to just be treated and, and um, recognized for you know, what might have happened um, and that that thing that might have happened really can make their entrepreneurial journey a little different from kind of the regular entrepreneurial journey. Keeping that in mind and being as sensitive as possible um, in supporting them is really something that's important for us, and we've, we've made it happen uh, with Start Studio. We really took all the findings from this report and, and are rolling it out in our own programming. You know, I was looking at some of the stats, and I've, I've seen a, a draft release of this. And like I said, I don't mm-hmm. want to give away too much because you guys are going to announce this a little bit later this week. Right. Um, but the fact that entrepreneurs, and this is a stat that was in here, 50% more likely to report having a mental health condition, um, things mm-hmm. like depression, ADHD, right. uh, bipolar disorder. Uh, why do you think that is? Yeah, it's 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 interesting I because mean, that's maybe not we don't know the answer. Yeah, I mean we don't know all the answers, but we do know that this is something that's across the board for all entrepreneurs, whether they're in the majority or underrepresented. Um, and we also know, you know, I know from the experience of being an entrepreneur that it it is a situation where you kind of catch what you eat. A lot of what <laughs> you do is really just dependent on your own individual efforts, um, and you have to coordinate and get people to understand a dream that hasn't necessarily been realized in in material form yet. So there's a lot of stress um, in just making people understand your vision um, and also making sure that that vision is something that people can see beyond your physical characteristics, beyond your culture, beyond um, the background differences that you might that might exist between you and the people who can control your funding, the people who can control other aspects of your business. So um, it's, it, it is not a place for the faint of heart. Um, it's not an easy path, and our goal is to make sure that people know that they're not alone through that process. Well, you know, I, I wonder if we are guilty as a society of sort of oversimplifying um, what it takes to actually, you know, <laughs> pull yourself up by your bootstraps, just do it. Uh, you know, you could, everybody can do be whatever they want to be. I mean, yes. it seems that there are so many barriers we put in our own way and yes. that others also put in front of us that prevent us from actually taking this step. Absolutely. And you can't break that down in seven weeks, I realize. No, you really can't. Um, 
what you can do, though, is have people understand that there are um, helps. They don't have to do it alone. Um, I think that a lot of the reason why we have a high failure rate for um, startups is because they don't know all the resources that are available to them. Um, so there are real barriers, though. We've done a lot of research around funding and the lack of funding for, for women, for underrepresented um, entrepreneurs. Um, but there are also other um, ways to get around it that, that have worked, that are proven. Um, and we're, we're trying to get as much of the information in their hands as possible. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but it, it certainly seems over the last decade or so that we have seen a, a renewed emphasis or, or a new emphasis, perhaps, on, on STEM education, mm-hmm. especially especially for, for young women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if you're starting to see that pipeline manifest itself. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, especially now as people know that they, you know, they're not that isolated person who's just interested in math. They're getting connected to things like Black Girls Code. They're getting connected to um, Steminista that, that's happening at um, Michigan Science Center. They're getting connected to all these different resources, and, 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 and it's basically much more of a social movement. I think that um, right now we're kind of starting to see a, a, a bubbling up of people who have uh, of women who are who are in this tech space and who are kind of asserting themselves and we are certainly at Tech Town making sure that we're um, connecting with them as much as possible and, and encouraging them and having them connect with each other um, because they need to, to have kind of a tribe of people that, that help support them do what it is they do. And, and I mean, does that give you a lot of hope? That uh, I mean, I mean <laughs> you, obviously programs like yours are going to be necessary for a long time. I mean, they're necessary for anybody that wants to, to, to get into this field and, and having a nurturing environment. And one where you're actually networking and meeting other people going through the same thing is hugely important. Um, you, you see a day when, you know, it's just going to be the natural, the norm for everybody <laughs> to pursue these sorts of things if they want to? Um, I, it's a broad I, question. I <laughs> it's a really broad question. But you know what? I am personally um, invested. I have two girls, 9 and 12, um, who are who definitely have entrepreneurial dreams, who love math, who love science, um, and who I want – I want to help create a world where they can create um, the things that are in their head, um, not just just for their own creative thing, but because I believe um, their ideas can help change the world in a positive way. If we cut off half of our population, half of those ideas, then we as a world suffer. So for the, for the, for the sake of the world, I hope that we can create a place where everybody's ideas can be tested out, um, they can be improved, and they can ultimately impact the world in a positive way. Dr. Marlo Rencher of TechTown has been my guest. And, of course, I would like to remind folks that coming up on Wednesday night, of course, you do have the showcase for the fall cohort of Start Studio. Um, who yes. should show up for this? Anybody who's interested in finding out, okay, what is it to, to take an, a tech idea and, and really test it and make sure that it's something that um, they want to go ahead and pursue. Um, so if you've ever been curious about the entrepreneurial process, if you want to find out what the next big idea is, you certainly should come on down and, and, um, and check it out. Well, that's Wednesday night. Uh, people can get information at techtown.com, techtown.org. Yes, techtown.org. Techtowndetroit.org. That's it, techtowndetroit.org. All the information about the showcase is there, but it's again, it's on Wednesday night here at Techtown, which is in Midtown Detroit, sort of actually kind of halfway 
halfway between. Well, it's Tech Town now. I guess yes. what they call this neighborhood. <laughs> yes, halfway right at between New Center boroughs. and Wayne State. So yeah. 440 Burroughs is where it is. Uh, beautiful facility down here. Uh, thank you so much. I think you're doing some really important work. And again, uh, I assume that you're going to be doing this uh, Start Studio stuff going forward? Yes, yes, we are. And thank you so much for allowing us to talk about this. All right, Dr. <laughs> Rencher, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much, Craig. Once again, Dr. Marlo Rencher is the Director of Technology-Based Programs at TechTown Detroit. Thanks very much for listening to the program today. We certainly do appreciate it. Don't forget, you can send me your feedback, questions, comments, whatever. The Craig Folly Show at gmail.com is the address easy to find me. You can find me as well on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Shoot me messages. Reach out to me that way if that's the way you prefer. We'll be back tomorrow. Lots more to talk about then as always. In the meantime, don't forget you can find a lot of video work that I do at DeadlineDetroit.com and also at Deadline Detroit's YouTube page. Lots of cool stuff there, including the week that was that we put in video every week. My friend Michael Lucido puts a lot of work into making those videos work, so the more traffic we get, the better. We always do appreciate that. Plus, of course, we've got the Zip up there and also uh, Detroit Digest, which is a lot of fun, giving you some ideas on places you can go eat around Metro Detroit. And uh, Sammy and Carlos do a great job of uh, showing you all these cool restaurants around town and making me very hungry in the process. So check all that stuff out at DeadlineDetroit.com. Check out Deadline every day for all your news needs. We certainly do appreciate it very much. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk tomorrow. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.